cold. That's ridiculous. And here's the underlying thought. If you're not daring to believe God for the impossible, and how many of you know, according to the news reports, we need to be believing God for the impossible, right? It's an appropriate series for today. Here's the underlying thought. If you're not daring to believe God for the impossible, you may just be settling for less than the best parts of your Christian life. You know, God's word and our Father does not want us to live under anxiety, fear, panic, and worry. In fact, God is looking for us to believe him for the impossible, to bring change when it seems like change can't happen, to give us peace in the middle of what may seem like a terrifying storm, to take a step of faith, listen to me church, when it seems like taking a step of faith is way too risky, or even to pray a prayer that seems like just praying that prayer like Pastor Christian did a week ago on this stage, that it seems like just praying that prayer seems like it's going to stretch God's capacity. In other words, this entire series is designed to help us to take a step back from our perspective and see things from God's perspective. In fact, today I want to take a look at Isaiah. We're going to look at chapter 40 in Isaiah, the first eight verses. But there's a little bit of history that I want to give you about Isaiah. Do you know that in the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament, there are 66 chapters in Isaiah? which corresponds to the number of books that are in our Bible. There are 66 books in our Bible. 39 of those are found in the Old Testament. And so as you read through Isaiah, the first 39 chapters, you're going to find things like disease. You're going to find things like people crying out for deliverance, people crying out that God would rescue them. And then when you get to verse 40, or chapter 40, it's the same as going into the New Testament. 39 uh, books are in the Old Testament, but when you get to the 40th book of the Bible, it starts the New Covenant. And how many of you know the New Covenant is a better covenant than the Old Covenant? Well, when you get to Isaiah chapter 40, uh, what you begin to find is that God's comfort begins to come to his people. It's, it's so similar to the entire Bible. In fact, listen to what it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1 says this, Comfort, oh comfort my people. Is there anybody that feels like they need a little bit of comfort today? Is there anybody that feels like you need two doses of comfort today? Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak softly and tenderly to Jerusalem, but also make it clear, listen to this, make it very clear that she has served her sins, that her sin has been taken care of, forgiven. Does that not sound like we've moved from the Old Testament to the New Testament where our sin has been declared forgiven? And then it goes on to say, thunder in the desert. In other words, make a massive noise, prepare for God's arrival. And this is what the, he goes on to say in Isaiah chapter 40, make the road straight and smooth, a highway fit for our God. Fill in the valleys, level off the hills, smooth out the ruts, say that with me right where you are, smooth out the ruts and clear out the rocks. Now the word of God there is talking about smoothing some ruts out and clearing out some rocks and we're going to come back to that in a moment. Because when we do that, it goes on to say, then God's bright glory will shine and everyone will see it. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that everybody is going to see the glory of God when we smooth out some ruts. Yes, just as God says, the grass withers, the wildflowers fade, but our God's word stands firm and forever. 
Circumstances are going to change, but God's word is going to stand firm and forever. I'm so excited to speak to you today in the midst of the spreading of this virus. And I know this, that right in the middle of the panic and the pandemonium and the fear that seems to be gripping people, I know confidently that God is speaking to his church. In fact, I have a great word that I want to share with you today. You see, because as we go through the coronavirus, all of this that we're facing today, we all deal with this a little differently. We all process it a little bit differently. And I just want you to know as a staff what we've been doing. It's not that we've been holed up in a, in a church somewhere holding hands and singing kumbaya. No, there are moments that we step out into worship of God, but there are also times that we're monitoring a variety of sources. In fact, for the past few weeks, we've been researching multiple sources, listening to a multitude of counselors. Does that sound like the Word of God? That when you get counsel, you get it from a multitude of counselors. So we've been researching in a multitude of sources, listening to a multitude of counselors. We've been tracking the virus daily. We've been following what the CDC is advising us to do. In fact, the CDC has a specific page for faith-based organizations. We are on that page every day to see if there's any new updates. We're listening to infectious disease doctors and their recommendations, as well as listening to what our national, state, and local officials are recommending. And then once we gather all of that information, we're balancing all of that by getting in the Word of God and getting in prayer and getting direction from our God about how to proceed from this point on. In fact, as a church, we've decided that we're going to practice social distancing. But church, just because we're practicing social distancing, that doesn't mean that we're practicing spiritual distancing. And that can, be a, uh, that can be a danger today to just get holed up and get separated from everybody and just read the news reports and read Facebook and, and get yourself stirred up into some kind of frantic pansy uh, or panic, I should say, not pansy, panic. But what we're doing as a church is that we're not being a pansy. We are doing what our president has asked. Our president has asked this, that we should turn to God. Come on, church, in these times, even in social distancing, it's not the time to distance ourselves from what God is saying or from what other believers are saying. Even though we're not touching physically, we are connecting spiritually. And no matter where you are in this time, the one thing I want you to know is that God is close to you. God sees what you're going through. He knows the emotions that you're processing, and he is right there with you. And I love it that we're looking in the book of Isaiah today because the name Isaiah literally means salvation of God. Come on, salvation of God. In fact, the first 39 chapters, as I talked about a moment ago, talked one way, but when you hit chapter 40, it begins good news. Come on, somebody say, I need some good news today. In Isaiah chapter 40, the writer talks about smoothing out the ruts and clearing out the rocks. And I've heard Pastor Richie say this before. He has said that a rut is only a grave with the ends knocked out. You see, what a rut does is it forces you to go one way, whether that's the right way for you to go or not, whether it's the way that you need to go or not. And if you've ever been on a a chip and seal road, you know that rocks can be very hazardous to your vehicle. They can chip your windshield. They can bring damage to your car. And Katie, bar the door, if you happen to be riding a motorcycle, it can be a little bit of damage to your forehead. 
That's what those rocks can do. It can be even more damaging. And in this time, there are lots of reports, there are lots of things that you can look at that can be a little spiritually damaging to you that will weaken your faith and cause you to live in fear. And today I want to talk to you about three ruts that we can, uh, that we can smooth out. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to, I want, I want you to write this down so that you can refer to this later. Later, First of all, smooth the rut of evil with good. Smooth the rut of evil with good. Church, as the church, we are here to overcome evil with good. You see, choosing good is hard. Choosing evil, it's easy. And as believers, we don't choose the easy path. We choose the road that is less traveled. You see, in times like this, in times when we don't understand what's going on around us, when times we can't see the answer right now, it's those pressure situations that you find out exactly what is on the inside of you. You see, Becky and I, a few years ago, lived in Florida, and just down the road from our neighborhood, there were orange groves. And I can tell you from experience, there's a difference between the orange juice that you buy at the store and the orange juice that you pick from the oranges off the tree and squeeze that fresh. It is an amazing difference. But here's the deal about oranges. Do you know that when you squeeze an orange, you don't get Dr. Pepper? When you squeeze an orange, you don't get coffee. You don't even get other similar juices. You don't get apple juice. You don't get cranberry juice. You get, when you squeeze an orange... You get orange juice because that's what's on the inside. And that pressure, when that pressure is applied, whatever is on the inside begins to come out. Well, I want to ask you today, as right in the middle of dealing with this social separation, what are you putting inside you? What do you spend most of your time focusing on? Are you focusing on news reports? Now, I'm not saying we don't want to monitor that, but I'm just telling you, if news reports are your steady diet, you're going to find yourself not in a place of faith, but you're going to find yourself in a place of fear. Are you watching the bad reports around you? Are you seeing what people are posting on Facebook and how they're scolding people and, and all of that kind of stuff? Or are you focusing on the Word of God? Because church, I can tell you this, whatever it is that you put in is what's going to come out when the pressure is applied. And maybe you're watching today and over the past week or two you've been dealing with high anxiety, you've been dealing with fear, you've been dealing with discouragement, maybe depression. Well friend, if that's you, I want to encourage you to take a step back and look at what you're allowing to come in. It's not that we're hiding our head in the sand, but we know that our God is able. Come on church. Our God is able. You see, what you ingest is what you digest. And I want to encourage you today to make sure that you're ingesting the right stuff. In fact, I want to encourage you today, tomorrow, over the next few weeks, turn the news reports off and put some worship on. Do you know something happens when you get in the presence of God? And man, when you just set aside some time and you just begin to worship God at home, I'm telling you, God will show up in your house and he'll start speaking to you. Ingest the presence of God through worship. Get in the Word of God. In fact, I would encourage you to stop scrolling Facebook and Instagram and all of the places and just scroll the pages of the Word of God or pull it up electronically and just begin to feast on the Word of God. 
don't forget to go through your devotionals daily. And as you go through those, send those out to people. It's not a time that we want to be spiritually distant from people. We want to take the things that God is speaking to us, and we want to give that to others. And then also make sure that you and your family are spending time praying together. Because when you do those things, when you press into God, it will balance the onslaught of negativity that you face on a daily basis. By all means, we're encouraging you to take time to protect your family. But don't let the good that you do stop with your bloodline. Step back and get a bigger picture or a bigger vision of what God may want to do not only in you, but through you. You see, the first century church ran to those that others would flee from. Back in that day, the most dreaded disease that you could get would be leprosy. In fact, if you had leprosy, they wouldn't even let you in the city. You had to live outside the city, and if you happened to walk in the city, you'd have to yell stuff like, unclean, so that when people saw you, they would go to the other side of the road because they didn't want to be anywhere near you. It wasn't just six feet. They wanted to be six miles from you. In the first century church, you know what they did? They laid hands and they prayed that the lepers would recover. Now, in this time, I'm not saying that we're going to go around or God is calling you to go find everyone with the coronavirus and lay your hands on them so that they'll recover. But what I am saying is that our calling, it's to Jesus and it's to others. So as we press into God and make sure that we're filling our lives with the things of God, of worship and prayer and word and devotional, not only do we want to ingest them and digest them, but we want to send those things out to others. You see, as a church, we can choose to fight greed with generosity because we know that God is with us and he will give us provision. Just a couple of days ago, Becky and I had to make a run to our parents' house. Uh, my mom is in her 80s, and uh, her caretaker is not able to get out, and Becky's mom's in her 70s, and they're, not, they're quarantined to their house, and they were low on supplies. And can you guess which one of the supplies they were the lowest on? Yeah, toilet paper. And so they gave us a list, and so we rounded up everything. And, and uh, it was the last day before we were leaving. We'd already been to seven or eight stores, and we were just praying for favor. And we went into two stores in a row, and guess what? They were stocking as we walked into the store. Toilet paper. So we were able to get those supplies because God is our provider, and we're able to take that to them so that, when, so that they could have rest and calm, and they wouldn't be worrying about that part. Do you know that there are more things contagious than the coronavirus. Do you know what's more contagious than that? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If somebody is going to catch something from us, let them catch the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of panic and pandemonium. You see, church, let us during this time, I heard Pastor Richie say this earlier, we are living kind of in a dark time, and it's the prime opportunity for the church to shine the brightest. Let's rise up and bring peace to those around us because we know the Prince of Peace. And when you know the Prince of Peace, you can be filled with peace. And the Prince of Peace will give you direction about how to share that peace with others around you. Well, the second thing I want to talk to you about today is this. Smooth out the rut of fear with faith. Smooth out the rut of fear with faith. 
I don't need to know how or when God is going to do something. I just know that God is with me. You know, time and time again in the Bible, it's 365 times God says this, do not be afraid. Do you know that fear is a rut that will wreck your faith? Because when you operate in fear, it's actually faith in reverse. Fear says this, what if? What if I catch the virus? What if I can't find any toilet paper? What if the, 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 the store shelves get all bare? What if, what if, what if? Faith says, even if. Even if I face that, God is still able. You see, church, we want to determine to smooth out the rut of fear with faith in a faithful God. You know, in a world that is panicking with fear, we have an incredible opportunity to replace fear with faith. In fact, I love what Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 says. This is what the Word of God says. Listen. It's the voice of someone shouting. I love the word listen. The, the Bible is saying, listen. Sometimes to listen, we have to steal the noise around us so that we can listen. And I love that word, listen, because we get to choose who we listen to. And I can tell you there are two voices that speak constantly. There's the voice of the devil or the enemy, and there's the voice of God. And can I tell you, the messages that they're delivering, especially in a time like this, couldn't be more polar opposite. The devil, you can always tell the difference between the two because the devil's voice always produces fear. Fear that we're going to run out. Fear that they're not going to fight. Fear that we're not going to have a vaccine. Fear that we're not going to come through this. But God's voice always produces faith. Today, I want to ask you a question. Are you operating more in fear or in faith? Are you operating more in calm or in panic? Are you operating more by encouraging others or discouraging others? Is peace ruling your life or are you hold up just kind of worrying about what's going to happen? Or do you have a rushing bit of activity or are you stilling yourself so that you can hear the voice of God? You know, often in times like these, we prefer the dramatic. We would just assume that God would send an angel from heaven and zap the virus, and all of a sudden the virus is gone. When God actually is giving us as his church an opportunity to show faith in the face of fear, to show calm in the face of panic, to show generosity in the face of selfishness. You see, God doesn't always change the situation that we're in, but he always brings faith to our soul. I love Romans 10, 17, which says this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It doesn't say hearing by the news reports, hearing by what Facebook is reporting, hearing by what people are around you. No, no, no. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Maybe in this time of physical separation, God wants to speak to you to prepare you. Listen to me. God is speaking to you. And maybe he wants to prepare you to be a peace dealer. Maybe he wants, he's preparing you to be a hope dealer, a love dealer, a generosity dealer. And to change your what if into even if. You know, Peter excuse me, Peter was the only disciple that ever walked on the water. 
And once he left the boat and he was experiencing something miraculous, he got overwhelmed. He got overwhelmed because of his circumstances. In other words, he took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to focus solely on his circumstances. And when he did that, he began to sink. Do you know why he sank? Church, he was focusing on the wrong thing. And then Jesus stepped in and lifted him up again. You see, when he kept his eyes on Jesus, he experienced the miraculous and he walked on water. Church, can I tell you more than anything during this time? Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you keep your eyes on Jesus, you're going to see him do something miraculous. You see, when we stop listening to God, when we stop focusing on God, when we start believing all of the reports around us instead of what God is saying, I can just promise you, you're going to get overwhelmed. But when you keep your eyes on Jesus, when you listen to him, when you say, God, I'm pulling aside and I want to hear you today, I promise you that he'll speak to you. He's already speaking to you today and he's preparing you to be used by him to calm a panicked world. You see, today, you don't need a great amount of faith. You just need faith. So many times we let that, man, I don't have as much faith as, hey, friend, if you have faith, that's enough. You see, Luke 17, uh, Jesus was responding, and this is what Jesus said. If you have even the smallest measure of authentic faith, Come on, somebody, if you've put your faith in Jesus, if you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, you already have faith inside you. And I can promise you, it's just not a smallest measure. But what he's saying is, if you have even the smallest measure of authentic faith, it would be powerful if that small measure would be powerful enough to say to a large tree, my faith will pull you up by the roots and throw you into the sea. And it will respond to your faith and obey you. What did it say it would respond to? Your faith. What is your faith in today? If your faith is in God, you already have the miracle working God living inside of you. And then finally today, I want to talk to you about a third rut that we can smooth out. We want to smooth out the rut of worry with peace. Smooth out the rut of worry with peace. Do you know what worry is? Worry is a dark room where your negatives get developed. So many times we spend too much time in the dark room developing our negatives. Really, worry, it's a waste of our imagination. God has given us an incredible mind to be able to dream big things and think big things and have faith in a big God. In fact, Mark Twain said this, I'm an old man who's known many troubles, but most of them have never happened. Do you know what the latest studies say? a very small percentage about what we worry about actually comes to pass. Worry is simply paying a debt that we don't owe. Is it possible today that you are spending a tremendous amount of time, a tremendous amount of energy, a tremendous amount of emotional energy worrying about something that will never happen? Come on, church. So many times we got get caught in the trap of worry. But worry doesn't change anything tomorrow. What worry does is it just robs you of your peace today. And I can tell you, God didn't call us to be a people of worry. He called us to be a people of peace. And you don't need peace if there's no storm. 
You don't need peace if there's no turmoil. You don't need peace if there's no challenge. All of those things are simply an opportunity for us to have a peace that passes understanding. You see, God promises that no matter what you face, you can have his peace. However, you will never get peace by avoiding life's challenges. God has planted us here in this time to be a light that shines in the darkness. And this is what God says, in the midst of life's challenges, I will give you my peace. In this time, church, it's important for us to act responsibly. But church, can I just tell you, we're going to get through this. And when we do, when we get on the other side, what's our testimony going to be? When you reflect back on this moment, what will you be reminded of? Will you be thinking about the evil that came out, about how people were just selfish, about how greed came up, and how people lived in fear, panic, anxiety, and worry? Or will your testimony be, when you get to the other side of this, that when life squeezed you, you produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Church, this is what I pray. I pray that when we look back on this moment, we can say this, that when life squeezed hard, faith just came oozing out. A peace that passes understanding came out of us like a flood. You see, challenges are not a matter of if, but when. And when they happen, I want my testimony to be this. I stayed strong. I dealt peace. I dealt hope. I smoothed out the ruts of evil, fear, and worry with goodness, faith, and peace. I pray that our testimony shouts that in our hardest moments, there was peace in my soul. You see, the greatest virus that has ever been known, the virus of sin, that virus has already been dealt with. And since God has already taken care of that one, he will certainly walk you through this one. And the fact that you have the power of God inside of you to bring peace when there's panic, to bring calm, to bring hope, to bring love, to be steadfast and not be shaken and driven by fear. The very fact that we can walk through and shine the light of Jesus in a dark time, church, that's just ridiculous. But that's the plan of God. 